Welcome to the How Great Events Happen podcast, where we sit down with meetings and events industry leaders to explore breaking trends, event planning best practices, the future of events, and more. I'm Brooke. And I'm Cody, coming to you from the Cvent Podcast Studio in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Now, this is a really exciting two-part series on something that I think every event professional can relate to, and that's health and productivity. As event professionals, we're asked to do so much in order to plan and execute events. We're often sacrificing sleep and health to do so. But we also know that the better we treat ourselves, the better we can perform. The other part of this is we ask attendees to come for days at a time and we entertain them for like 10, 12, 15 hours a day. They're going to networking events and excursions and dinners and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And today we're going to talk to Dr. Jonathan Sparrow about what we can do to increase our health and productivity for not only us, but our attendees as well. But first, we want to start with the research, including learning more about biostacking. The idea is we can learn it, then live it. The following week, we will have the second episode where we will discuss how to design events with the research in mind. Absolutely. And I really feel like this was a cool conversation, something I learned a lot about. For you guys, if you want to stay in the know on some of the other topics we're talking about or just want to tell us what you thought about this topic, we encourage you to subscribe to the podcast. And you can also email us at podcast at cvent.com. That's podcast at cvent.com. Now, one other thing before we get to the interview, and now this is a really exciting offer for all of our listeners. If you want to hear more from Dr. Sparrow, this topic, and other interesting industry trends, we encourage you to join us at Cvent Connect in Las Vegas. We're going to be there in early July. All you have to do is visit cvent.com slash podcast for more details. That's right. And just a reminder, we will be doing a live podcast in Las Vegas as well. So all of you come join us. Let's go ahead and get started with the first part of the series. It's all about the research with Dr. Jonathan Sparrow. There's been a lot of great uh, data that's been collected by a number of different scientists and researchers on what makes one person more productive than another or what makes one person happier than another. Because being a high performer is not just about, you know, hitting, hitting your financial marks or hitting your career marks, but it's about, it's about being fulfilled in life. And so there's an entire field of science now devoted to human performance, and it's fascinating. Um, so when we think about the health and the wellness and the human performance, what are those challenges that are facing events specifically? The way I like to describe it is that many attendees would describe themselves, if you really get down to it, would describe themselves as a bystander when they go to a meeting. Like, hey, the meeting planners are putting on this big meeting. There's the host, internal host, the, all the speakers, the trainers, and I'm just, you know, I'm just showing up. But that's really not what's happening. The attendees are not bystanders. They're the main event. They're there. It's all being <laughs> orchestrated for them. Uh, they're there to learn, to connect, to grow, uh, ultimately to find passion and purpose because you can't have engagement without passion and purpose. And, and that's what you know they're trying to do is engage these attendees. Many of them are employees of a corporation. So employee engagement is huge. So the reason the meeting is being held is because of the attendees. So they're there to perform. They're there to 
do all these things, learn, connect, grow. And so performance is really important when you're talking about uh, a meeting. Attendee performance is huge. So uh, what are some of the common myths about this? Uh, when people think about human performance, there are some there are some myths that are worth discussing. Uh, I'd say the first one is that most of us think that if you just work harder, you're going to be a higher performer. And yes, daily rituals and habits have to do a lot with performance. However, there's a lot more to the secret sauce than just hard work. Uh, there's things like goals. You must have clarity attached to your goals, and, and those goals must be attached to a purpose that you're passionate about so you can follow through with them. And then what we're going to talk about with biostacking and with just uh, the research is that there's a whole set of neuroscience tools now that you can start to leverage that will drive your performance. You know, what is biostacking and how does it work? Yeah, so before I talk about biostacking, let's talk about a basic idea behind the research, and that is that the state of human consciousness or the mindset that is most correlated with uh, peak human performance is called the flow state, flow for short. And there was actually a godfather of flow. Uh, it's a really difficult name to pronounce, but Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. <laughs> He's a Hungarian-born psycho psychology professor who moved to the United States when he was in his 20s. And his early studies focused on happiness and creativity. And it was through these studies that he started to look into what he would later term flow. And in 1990, you know, we're almost uh, 30 years ago, he published his seminal work called Flow the psychology of optimal experience. And then, and then in this book, he outlines his theory that people are happiest when they're in a state of flow. Though it's a lot more than just being happy. It's, it's much more than just being fulfilled or happy. It's, about, it's, it's the state of being where we're in our optimal state of performance. And in that state, one really starts to come alive. Uh, he defined flow as being so involved in an activity that nothing else seems to matter. Ego falls away, time flies, every action, movement, and thought flows inevitably from the previous one, like, like playing jazz or where your whole being is involved and you're, you're using all your skills to the utmost. So that's what biostacking is based on. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But flow, uh, you can think of as being in the zone. That so awesome. Yeah. I, I want to so, be in a state of flow. <laughs> yeah. How do I get to a state of flow? Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's well, everybody's question is like, you know, well, here's the fascinating thing is that everyone lives to be in flow. That's yeah. why we're alive. We're basically alive to go from to, to because we want to experience flow from from, you know, even those moments, if it's once a week or once a month when we're in a flow state, we go, that was a rich experience. That's worth being alive for. All this other stuff, maybe not so much, but but that's worth being alive. So it's fascinating. We all want to uh, be in flow. And there's healthy ways to be in flow and unhealthy ways to be in flow. And there's actually a $4 trillion industry, um, which beyond the scope of this discussion, of people wanting to get into flow. And there, and a lot of it's unhealthy. What are some ways to get into the healthy version of flow? Biostacking is really a strategy to achieving the flow state beyond when you're just uh, an athlete or you're out exercising, but when you're in a kind of in a work environment, when you're either an employee uh, at work, or you're an attendee at a meeting, or you're a student at school. We're doing a lot of work with uh, kids at school. So how in that type of environment where it may not be a super stimulating environment for you to get into flow, 
but um, the most the most common ways to to achieve a, f- a flow state, if we take a take a step back, are number one is just happens spontaneously. You know, again, you're an athlete or you're exercising outdoors. Nature can do it. Music. You may have your iPod. You may have your headset on and listening to great music, and you're outdoors in nature. But all of a sudden, you're in a flow state. Just randomly. Other ways you can get into flow are are through mystical experiences, either deep, deep meditation when you're when you're a Buddhist, uh, maybe you know in t- <laughs> Tibet, or you're or you're a priest, or you're you know you're praying and you're in this dip and you reach this deep mystical state. So those are those are what I would say common, typical ways that you can, in a healthy way, get into flow. But um, if we go into biostacking, it, it gives you a roadmap to this journey in a more, let's say, practical way to get to flow and igniting your human potential. That's really what it's all about. It was, we want to get to flow because we want to ignite our human potential, reach peak performance. And biostacking allows you to more frequently be closer to your flow state. You may not always, you know, you may not achieve flow state all the time, but even if you get closer to flow state, you're going to be a higher performer and you're going to have a greater sense of well-being. Can we recap the biostacking? Because I know you mentioned a couple different things. Yeah. So meditation, either specifically focused attention is a, is a great technique, uh, which to start with. And then you follow it up with, with uh, ongoing mindfulness throughout the day. Uh, you start to you know, you start to introduce exercises that get people to remember that, oh, yeah, I was. Yeah, you caught me. I was worried about the past again. And once you start to get used to used to catching yourself, you can be more in the present moment, which basically mindfulness put, gets your neurotransmitters and your and your brain waves in the right place. Meditation gets your your uh, neurotransmitters and, and brain waves in the right place for for high performance and better well-being. Mindfulness keeps it there. So that's the way you can look at that. And then there's there's three other components that if you just do meditation and mindfulness, you're like 80% of the way there. Um, and that would, and that's really probably the first step uh, that in my strategy for meetings is to really introduce meditation and mindfulness in a, in a very user-friendly, fun way. But there's three other steps to biostacking for high performance. Well, the third one is called future visions. And future visions is, is really a lot of fun because future visions is based on the concept that we really can't be high performers unless we, and I mentioned this before, unless we have clarity about what our goals are. So we have to have clarity and what our goals are, our short-term goals, our long-term goals. You can't get from point A to B unless you know what your goals are. And this sounds like a really simple thing, but if you ask people very often what their you know, short-term and long-term goals are, it's hard for them to express them to you. Uh, they don't have them written down. They don't really understand what they are. They just have, a, a, you know, kind of a nebulous idea that, oh yeah, I want to make more money. I want to, you know, I want my career to do better. I want my relationships to be better, but they don't have specific, uh, specific goals. So clarity is really important. The next step is attaching uh, those goals to a purpose or passion. So those goals have to have meaning to you because if they don't have meaning to you, if they're not connected to an emotional trigger an emotional uh foundation then you're never going to do what it takes to to reach those goals 
And then the third step is, is I think it's the most fun. And that is, you know, kind of a make-believe step. And, and that is like, let's say I just sprinkled some pixie dust on you. And I said, any goal that you think of, that you want to achieve, you can achieve it. Regardless, even if it's, it seems like a completely unreachable goal to you. So you're, we're going to pretend for this moment that you're going to figure out what your what the goal is that you're most passionate about, and you have a meaning behind it, a purpose behind it. It might be a might not even be for you. It might be for your kids or for a loved one, or you know, this is going to make their life better. Whatever it is that is grounded with purpose and meaning. And then we're going to we're going to sprinkle some pixie dust on you, and you're going to be you're now are limitless, just like the movie, and you can reach any goal you want. And when you do that, when you start to take away all these self-imposed limitations that we have on on ourselves, then your brain starts to believe that it can actually reach that goal. And if your brain believes it can, if your brain actually believes it can reach that goal, if you give yourself permission to believe, just like a kid, give, you know, like kids believe that they can be, you know, an NHL player or whatever they want to be, president of the United States. If you actually give yourself permission, then your brain starts trying to figure out ways to do it. But what happens is, is we subconsciously say, oh, you know, it's all this negative self-talk. It's called ants, automatic negative thoughts. We, and we've been trained, you know, ah, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. So you don't even try. But if you start to believe you can do it, then your brain starts moving towards that. And we'll start developing rituals and habits and goals and plans that will get you there. So that's number three. Number four is that now that you have this, you know, your, your mindset is, is in the right place. You're keeping it there with mindfulness. You have your clarity of your goals. You've uh, dampened out the automatic negative thoughts. You've become limitless. And, and these goals are anchored to, to something that you're passionate about. Well, then you have to set up, you, you have to set up a, a way to get there. So you have to start to develop a plan and there, and there needs to be all sorts of action steps that need to take place. But quite often we're not equipped to get there. So you have to start looking at, well, what are the tools that I can use, brain tools I call them, or mind tools, that I can use to get there quicker? And that's all about metacognition. So metacognition is just the, the art of thinking how to think, or the science, art and science of thinking how to think. Most of us just kind of uh, went through school and go through adulthood just taking for granted that we're going to learn things a certain way and we're going to memorize things a certain way and we're going to make decisions a certain way. How many of us actually analyze how we're doing that? So metacognition helps you make better decisions, helps you learn more and allow, allows you to process information more quickly. And so there's this whole set of tools that is part of the biostacking that helps you just become a better thinker. And then the fifth one, the fifth one is called the science of recovery. And this goes back to downtime is productive time. And the science of recovery is the is understanding that your productivity after about 20 minutes, 20, 30 minutes of doing something goes down. And it keeps on going down until you take a break, until you do something to nurture yourself. And so so it's important to understand the science of recovery, and it's this whole discussion around 
getting better sleep? What are the tools to getting better sleep? What's the tools to getting better nutrition? What's going to make me a better thinker? You know, there's all sorts of things you can do. There's all sorts of different types of techniques are out there that some controversial, some less controversial from intermittent fasting to uh, MCT oil to brain foods, which we could talk about. There's a whole set of foods that will increase, increase your cognitive abilities. And then just the techniques to saying, hey, what am I going to do uh, with my downtime when I'm doing it? Uh, when your body moves, your brain grooves. You know, there's a whole bunch of different things. That's a, a Jim Quick uh, saying. There's there's a lot of science out there that if, if you're if that five or ten minutes you're doing some movement, whether it's just walking or bringing your arms over your head, you start to reset your brain and you're and you're able to uh, increase your cognitive ability. So there's a whole discussion that's important for performance around the recovery of science, the science of recovery. Yeah. I mean, I just can't wait to talk about all of this research and how it applies to events. I mean, I just see so many applications. All right. Great. Well, thank you so much, Jonathan. Thanks for your time. Um, we really appreciate it. And we really look forward to chatting with you again next week about um, you know, applying this research. Yeah, absolutely. Talk about that. Our lounge. Thank you. All right. <laughs> thank you. It was my pleasure. I love our conversations with Dr. Sparrow, and it just highlights how important health and productivity is to event professionals and events themselves. I can't wait to hear more at a session at CMA Connect. Right? Yeah, seriously. It's going to be so exciting. And as always, more information on this topic is available at cvent.com slash podcast. That's C-V-E-N-T dot com slash podcast. And again, there's that special offer to join us in Las Vegas. Now, next week, we're going to continue the conversation. This time, we're going to talk about how to apply their research to events. Yeah, we'll talk to you then.